Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Marriage Story. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot and details of the film will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Our marriage is falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. I hate you. And you hate me, so let's go and get a divorce. Turn off my camera. Can you hear me better now? I can hear you beautifully. Good. Oh, that kind of ruined the song I was going to do as an intro, but I'll do it anyway. Turn around. Look at what you see. It's a film. It's called Marriage Story. (laughs) Make believe it's really long. It is way too long. It goes on for a long time. You could say it's a never ending story. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen the never ending story. It looks rubbish. It's it's good actually. It's Is it actually Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing that young Paddy would have enjoyed. Yeah, I just it just passed me by. It was obviously well it was in the eighties, wasn't it? It was yeah. slightly before our time. But um not that the eighties is like before our time, but you know what I mean. It's like I think it's one of those things where if you weren't a child at the time that you saw it, um it didn't necessarily endure in that same way. But obviously it did, because that was a moment in Stranger Things 3 that I liked and that you hated, right? I I did hate that moment. (laughs) Why? Um, Because it, yes, from a structural perspective, it added a bit of comedy during a tense scene, so it broke up the tension, but it went on for too bloody long, and also by singing that song, it resulted in people's deaths. (laughs) That is true. You can't argue with that. You think about the time between um, awesome mullet, douchebag dying and him not dying and you think about them wasting all that time singing that song and all of the argument around sing the song no i don't want to i won't (laughs) help unless you sing the song um i'm just saying that dustin and dustin's girlfriend have blood on their hands yeah and i still still like dustin though i i I think i think max will have to have retribution next time around oh yeah and, and murder dustin's parents yeah, that'd be fine. Right. He doesn't this, need them. He, he'll be fine without them. He's very is, self-sufficient. <laughs> this is what you did to me. I'm going to do this to you. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I thought it was nice. You know how Spotify gives you your like end of year playlist of the songs you listened to that year? That yes. was on there for me. Oh, was it? Specifically that version, not the original version. I Which, didn't even realise they put it on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. It's on there on the soundtrack album. Weirdly... And the Stranger Things version, it's quite a bit faster than the original. Uh, But then if you go and listen to the original, it feels too slow and lumbering to me. But that's very, very rare for me because nine times out of ten, if I hear a song sped up, I hate it. And I really hate when bands play live and they play their songs faster than on the record. Don't like it. But but that's also down to the fact that that's the version that you heard first. Yeah. Well, no, I was aware of the song before, but But it wasn't embedded. Your frame of cultural reference is the version from... um, Stranger Things yeah. instead of the original. Yeah. A version that comes preloaded with nostalgia. That's what I like. <laughs> Delicious fake nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a post-truth world. Embrace it. See, someone someone said the other month that Stranger Things should have been an anthology series. Um, yeah. And I thought that was you. No, I, I, it, I, I swear I you said, said it, that on an earlier version of an earlier episode of this show. I said it to you. I said it on an earlier version of this show, but someone said it to me. Oh, okay. So then you liar share to you. How am I you, a liar? You fake liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it really would have been great as an anthology. So you do all of the um eighties nostalgia for one series, and then with the monsters and everything and then you move on to another strange story the following series 
Yeah. Um, keep the same cast. With different people. Oh, the same, same cast. Yeah, keep okay. the same cast like American Horror Story does. Um, I've never seen that. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, but change the setting and the characters and everything like that and move it somewhere else entirely. Um, and then that would make sense where they tried to do Invasion of the Body Snatchers in the last series and just shoehorned it into the story where it didn't really fit and they didn't really do a lot with it. If they'd done it as an anthology series, then they could have actually um, explored that in more detail. Yeah. That would have been, would have been really cool. Where did you disappear off to then? I could just hear some clanging. <laughs> I was plugging in my laptop. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a professional, yo. <laughs> um so speaking of professionals um yes, i am one ma- you're also one <laughs> marriage story is about two <laughs> professional douchebags <laughs> that's their um that's their official uh official job titles yeah yeah as people people in the theater and if you didn't know that they're in the theater um, an hour and 55 minutes in the film gives you a helpful cue in the fact that there are um concurrent scenes in which both of them embarrassingly sing in front of their friends and families <laughs> <laughs> in a in an annoyingly theatrical way in both cases yes um yeah this movie i it's... you texted me about it and it listeners this, this is the most important thing if rob texts you about the film it's never good no i honestly can't remember an instance where you've texted me and gone wow this film's really good no, no that does not happen <laughs> if if it's a good film i generally keep it until the episode whereas if it if it provokes a negative emotional reaction in me, then Paddy needs to know about it as soon as possible. I'm, get, I'm getting the texts already from the other room. <laughs> it, just, it just says, not even good songs, which I think is referring to the um, the, the, the songs that they both choose to, chose to sing. I thought I didn't hate the one that Adam Driver sang. I have no idea what it was, whether it was for the film or it's probably something that as an, a man ignorant of whatever extremely deep theatre musical tradition it comes from, I don't know it, but um, it seemed, that one seemed a little bit rousing and interesting to me. But the one that... <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll read my wife's opinion on it instead. Like, what was with the crazy song? Why is it the women that sing that? Which is a fair point. The women sang a song about someone being crazy, which was really annoying and stupid. And I'm like, is that a song? Was that a real song for, that someone sang? Is that from a musical? Because that song was dumb. Um, so I know that the Adam Driver one is, um, uh, from a musical. I don't know about Scarlett Johansson's song. I'm sure it was. It must have been, because that was how the, the film was telling you that they were in the theatre, darling. <laughs> um, I... If it didn't tell you enough times that he's got, he's directing a play on Broadway. Um... So they're both from a musical called Company. Oh, okay. I'm aware of that, but have never seen it and don't know the songs. Right. Let me... I want to know what this musical is. But it exactly occupies that position where it's big and well-known to people who are into theatre and musicals, but has not transcended into the mainstream, I would say. It was nominated for... I'm going to get hate from people who like musicals (laughs) now, even though I like musicals. It was nominated for a record number of Tonys. 14 Tonys, and then it won six. So I've got them. the Tony Blair, the um, Tony Robinson, <laughs> the Tony the Tiger, <laughs> the Tony Ben. Those are all British Tonys. Those are all Tony the Tiger. Is Tony a specific, a, a predominantly British name? I think so. Yeah. Well, other that or Italian. Yeah, you got an- Antonio. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There aren't that many Americans called Tony. There's a couple of baseball players called Tony. But, um, yeah, Tony the Tiger's American, right? Only an American would say they're great. Yeah, exactly. No one in England thinks anything's great. Everything's bad or worse. (laughs) Those are the two. Serial going, everything's bad. (laughs) So, so company, I'm just looking it up now. It's a, it's about a relationship. Oh, boring. Um, Robert is a single man unable to commit fully to a steady relationship, let alone marriage. And then the five married couples are who his best friends and his three girlfriends. Three girlfriends? Yeah. That's just greedy. This, um, and he... So it's company as in sharing time, spending time with a person rather than company like a business. Yeah, yeah. Or company like a theatre company. Because I I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if there was some kind of meta uh, 
a meta joke about a meta musical about a theater company that was thrown in here but apparently yeah. not apparently it is just this is a musical about people having sex and being sad about it i imagine <laughs> yeah and if you want that from a musical phantom of the opera is there <laughs> cats cats is there <laughs> um starlight express is there yeah um so uh so this film right it is clearly a very well-made movie very competent very good performances and i hated it <laughs> well that's fair enough that i i can't deny that i don't i wouldn't go as far as to say i hated it but there was a lot about it that bugged me and i certainly wouldn't watch it again but as you say the the competence of it really does overwhelm doesn't it yeah i mean it's it's very well directed they make a lot of interesting choices like the jarring musical scenes the the close up almost monologue moments um all works incredibly well um the, the inconceivable villain man from the princess bride just <laughs> randomly being one of the guys in the theater company i mean that that where's his musical me. number yeah where's his musical number i can't even remember his name and i'm sure he's done lots and lots of really good roles but that's i'll always just think of him um do, do you what his character We've never name talked about the or... princess bride have we no no we should we should talk about it here because um, i love that film um so, so he's he's wallace sean or wallace, wallace sean of course um yeah Which i always think sounds like a rapper's name wallace sean yeah yeah because of sean combs or combs uh, that's true sean combs and sean's he? combs <laughs> you, you've seen the thing about sean's combs on twitter i don't believe i have no um is it a puff piece no <laughs> so um uh it's he tried to buy the handle uh sean combs uh off somebody else uh and uh <laughs> it's oh, wait, a, this sounds vaguely familiar yeah. this is like when i said i didn't know what horny on main meant and then i have clearly seen ted cruz favoriting porn um so so there's a twitter account called sean combs that calls itself sean's combs and then uh <laughs> and then it's funny already diddy back then tried to buy the handle to go by sean combs so at this point he's just diddy yeah diddy um, Kong and he offers him <laughs> he says uh basically that he sells combs for a living um and then he says i'll offer you uh two hundred and ten thousand dollars for it sean's combs replies don't need it i'm rich i sell unbelievable combs people love my combs one comb <laughs> use and you never go back <laughs> that's really good <laughs> is that account still active um i have no account. idea i don't even i imagine that this might even be a fake back and forth but it's one of those viral things that's gone round, um which i think is hilarious Let's have a little look at Sean Combs and see if it's still there. It's it's spelled with C double O M B S, right? Um, it's um, S E A N C O M B S. Oh, so I'm looking. I'm looking at a man in Jamaica with 18 followers. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have no idea if it's a real a real case or not. Yeah. But either uh, way, well, I think there's a little bit of magic there. Yeah. Um. Which you know, poor old Diddy. Um, poor old Diddy. <laughs> well, he's not Diddy anymore. I don't know what he is anymore. Yeah, what what does he go by in, by now? I don't know. There's that episode that had that episode album of his that had um, that song "Bad Boys for Life." I like that one. And um, when I was in about year nine, we used to play that. And this is a this is the part where I revealed to our listeners that I went to boarding school, however many episodes in, which I think I managed to keep a secret the whole time. But <laughs> there was a song on that album had like skits on it. And one of them was him like talking about something for a while. And then at the end it goes, if you're really a man, just call on shiny suit man. And it does it like really loud with this big jazzy thing. And we used to like sneak into other people's rooms while they were asleep and put that on really loud to wake them up. <laughs> The it was hij- a good time. The hijinks of boarding school. Yep. I didn't have that. We just had, you walk down the corridor and then you hope that there's not like 20 people, 10 on each side, <laughs> and they don't shove you around as you try and walk past. They don't create a gauntlet. Yeah, it basically run. was a gauntlet and you had to avoid being kicked and shoved. Yeah. Um, that was... Get your head flushed down the toilet. 
See, I I don't know if that ever happened um, at my school, but comprehensive education is an interesting place. Yeah. Ironically, it's uncomprehensive, isn't it, in what it teaches? Um, yeah, well, it's, yeah, it is all-encompassing dread is what, <laughs> what it teaches. Yeah. Yeah. You're scared of any number of things on a daily basis. <laughs> so apparently it's on Snopes.com, the Sean Combs Twitter, and apparently it is false. Oh, boo. Which is just It's always false. Good stuff on Twitter is always false. <laughs> like that guy this week who said he cuts books in half. No one actually does that. Yeah, that was interesting because part of me was looking at it in abject horror. And at the same time, I was thinking... Oh, fuck those people for writing such big books. <laughs> Shove it, Dostoevsky. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> give You're us the war, the Kindle then give us peace. <laughs> yeah. The Brothers Karamazov. How many are there? Eleven? Right, each one can have their own book. Easy. <laughs> exactly. People in comic books have known this for a long time. Lord- I don't know why it's taken fiction authors so long to catch up. The Lord of the Rings? Give us one book per <laughs> ring. Multiple rings, my ass. Yeah, but then Sauron would come back to that and be like, "Well, there's one ring to rule the ball, isn't there?" Yeah, you go, you go up in scale like the Harry Potter books. Apart from the inevitable disappointment of the Harry Potter books, <laughs> Harry Potter and the final realization that wizards are awful people. <laughs> Harry Potter in the centrist dar. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Wait, what? What are we talking about? <laughs> Let's so, why is it to- called Lord of the Rings when there's only one ring? Because there are the other rings. Well, obviously there are, the but other. that's the only important ring. The others are important. They turn people into badass ring wraiths and drove people mad with greed. Oh, so all of the ring wraiths have a ring? Yes. Right. I, I obviously they, knew that the, back when I was at Lord of the Rings. The no, ring wraiths are the kings of men who took the rings of power when Sauron right. made them. Yes, that's right. I remember now. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched any of it or slash read it. I, I really love the Lord of the Rings films. Um, I thought they were great. I yeah. think they're spectacular. And I, I I rewatched them, I think, last year. And they still hold up incredibly well. They're beautifully shot. Wonderful storytelling. Um, not so much the Hobbit movies. I refuse to watch them, as you know. We've been, we've been over this. <laughs> yes. I'd rather watch Marriage Story again than watch the Hobbit oh, movies. Oh, wow. I, I, mm, that's an interesting... <laughs> Even though I said I don't want to watch it again. That's an interesting conundrum, actually. Because... Marriage Story is a very competently made film, but it did drive me a little bit mad. Um, so, y- Would you rather watch that or just one of the Hobbit movies, not all of them? I could probably handle watching the first Hobbit movie over Marriage Story, but I think the other two, I would rather watch Marriage Story. Okay, okay. Mar- Marriage Story or The Bridges of Madison County? Oh, they both... On the rewatch. We should do that for a future episode. Fun, fun- watch, Rewatch them both. <laughs> funnily enough i think from my perspective there's a lot of similarities between the two in the they're very well made there's very strong performances in them but there's something infuriating about the premise but i think i appreciated the bridges yeah, nobody takes photos of bridges yeah who Jesus, does that pervert. <laughs> um <laughs> i i appreciated the premise of the bridges of madison county more because i felt as though there was more at stake and there was more development behind the characters Whereas here, this is a movie that is very... I mean, it's it's based on the director's um, real-life breakup, isn't it? Um, I, I assumed so, but I didn't know. But he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee for a long time, so yes. I assume it's based on that. Yeah, yeah. Which must actually be really hard for her to see him making that kind of work about it and to watch... Maybe she hasn't seen it, I don't know, but to watch that film and to see him portray it in that way, even though it is fiction... She must look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's based on that. Well, that's based on that. Yeah, it's it's <clears> weird. <throat> and, like, I don't know. Between the two, I mean, Jennifer Le- Jason Lee, I've always got her back. She's amazing. Yeah, she's cool. Um, and it's mentioned in a Weaker Than song. So oh, really? You know, she's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a song called Civil Twilight. It's the opening track from their 2003 album. Uh, oh, what's it called? Reunion Tour, I think. Um, and, yeah. It's just about a guy sitting on like on his commute through Winnipeg and naming provinces and actors. And that's the first actor he can think of. Oh, wow. Because yeah. um, she's been in some great stuff over the years, like uh, The Machinist is a, is a great 
movie. I really love that. I don't know if you've ever seen The Machinist. No, that's Christian Bale, isn't it? Yes, that? yeah, and it's a good film about. It's a. It's just a very competently made psychological thriller. Um, she's in Existence, which is an outrageously good movie that nobody's seen, uh, which is a David Cronenberg film about a virtual reality video game, um, and it's great. It's basically Videodrome, but about video games instead of television. All right, and it, it, that it's, sounds good. It's awesome. There's this incredibly grotesque scene where he gets uh, uh, so Jude Lord's the lead in it, and he gets served this disgusting fish dish at a restaurant. But what he does is he takes it out and like makes this biomechanical horror gun out of the fish carcass which then he (laughs) uses to shoot people it's really off the wall bizarre as you'd expect from cronenberg um and and speaking of cronenberg one of jennifer jason lee's next projects is a film called possessor which is directed by brandon cronenberg uh david cronenberg's son oh i did not know Um, he had a son who was in the biz yes so he's only directed one other feature-length movie i think called antiviral which is very Cronenbergian in its approach, um, where it's about a future where celebrities got so mad that people will buy the viruses that celebrities have and inject themselves with them in order to have the same virus. So like they'll they'll sell off a sample of their own cold and then sell it, which then like their fanatical fans can then hmm. buy and ingest to have the same illness. Um, it's really strange and grotesque and barren film it's very very good Um, sounds great but yes the new one um is about um again it's got that kind of biomechanical edge to it um about people who they use brain implants to possess other people's bodies and then lead their bodies to commit assassinations Sounds like um, your kind of thing. Yeah. Also, I would watch that. <laughs> Definitely my kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, this movie that we watched this week doesn't have fish guns. Not out of 10. No Not out of guns. 10, no fish guns. It doesn't it has have, a Nerf gun at one point. It does have a Nerf gun. It, when Adam Driver's being boring dad and buying board games and his son comes up and he's like, you want the Nerf gun? And he's like, no, you can't have it, but you can have 10 board games. Get one board game and the Nerf gun and then you can do them both quite uh, when you when you lose at snakes and ladders you get shot i say very gun. authoritatively as the parent of a child who can't walk yet <laughs> <laughs> he's almost there by the way oh really Amazing. yeah he can get where he wants to be you know he can crawl he can like pull himself up he can climb he just can't like when he stands without holding on with one hand it's just a few seconds and then he falls over but he'll get there ah oh, i believe in him i have faith yeah so yeah i can definitely tell you that all of the times in this film that they were bad parents and that was one of them (laughs) let them have the nerf gun man it's fine and and i think that's what fascinates me about this film is that they clearly decided to try and make two very flawed characters um which is fine which is fine thing but they're so irritating yep um and films like this they always work best when it's people that are in an uncomfortable situation and the uncomfortable situation here is that their marriage is falling apart well it has fallen apart and then they've got the battle over um over what remains so yeah their, their, it should actually child... be called custody battle story <laughs> epic custody battles of history <laughs> yeah um but marriage story is a shit title isn't it it is a bad bad that title. is really bad like it's supposed to be like knowingly generic but it's just rubbish and i wonder if that's because people laughed at noah Bumbag. no i can't even say his name properly because on my computer it also corrected it to Bumbag. but um no Baumbach. Baumbach. yeah um and the, his previous films were called things like the squid and the whale and i think people sniggered at that so he was like well this is what you want isn't it marriage story there you go done (laughs) yeah here you go here you go but it is a rubbish title it is a it is a bad title i'm not sure that um it's it's clearly very clever um extremely clever it thinks that it's very clever as well like the kind of thing that a guy who writes books so big you need to cut them in half would come up with (laughs) 
<laughs> infinite jest of yeah. movies. Um, but but yeah, I think. You ever read Infinite Jest? No. It's actually extremely good. But it's long. It's used as this kind of like um, this big joke by everyone about literary bonziness, but it is actually extremely good. You know, I think you'd enjoy it. You know how many Daphne du Maurier books I could read in place of Infinite Jest? A Four lot. Or five. <laughs> yeah. and, and they'd all be very good as well. And they would all be very good. You know how many Ursula Le Guin books I could read? Probably about ten. Two. Because <laughs> if you look at her... Um, Science fiction some of novels. Stuff isn't that long. Yeah, like you could read all of Earthsea plus a few more oh, yeah. in in place of Infinite Jest. Um, but what what was I saying? Oh yes, yes. So so the characters in this film they have an unbelievably comfortable position because you've got a very successful theatre director and actor and a Who very successful genius grant and a very very successful actor. Where does that tension lie? And they both talk about how they have no money. Yeah, they have money. Yeah, if they didn't like have, they could afford attorneys. He's flying back and forth between New York and LA. His plays like going to Broadway. They have money. Yeah, so so. Yeah, that... maybe he can't afford Ray Liotta immediately, but eventually he can. <laughs> yeah, so noted it's... Stuart Lee impersonator Ray Liotta. <laughs> so so even I was literally the... watching it the whole time, thinking, "Oh, that bloke looks a bit like Stuart Lee," not remembering who it is, and then the look <laughs> after the thing. Of course, it's Ray Liotta, yeah. who's one of the main people that Stuart Lee mentions in that routine about all the people he gets mistaken for. <laughs> I mean that is beautiful right there, um, but but yeah. Even though this movie goes on, they they say all the time, "Oh, this is really expensive. This is really hard." It's like, well, if it was that expensive, you wouldn't be able to do it. What they yeah. they mention some of the figures, and it's like twenty k. You're like, if I was faced with a twenty k legal battle, I'd be fucked. Quite, yeah. you know, I'd have to sell my house. <laughs> yeah, uh, a a um a one k legal battle, and I'd be fucked. These are not normal people having this difficulty, and and. Yes, that works very well with the Academy. And this movie's been nominated for a lot. But if you look at this in comparison to real-world situations that are portrayed, and and I feel bad comparing it to Blue Valentine because Blue Valentine is a vastly superior movie, but Blue Valentine had real people in it. It felt real. It felt genuine. This feels like two people that live in a very separate world from the one that I live in. And it doesn't do very much to help try and break that down. And the leads do as much as they can. There's a real humanity particularly in adam driver's performance who is excellent in this as he is in everything Mm -hmm. but even so there's that detachment all the way through of this is a fancy arts man yeah and it's like did it have to be that way you know is do, do you just have to do that as a film director because that's what you know this is what i always ponder with these kind of things it's like writers writing about writing it's like why not just try and do something a little bit differently because ultimately you are making fiction Right? Yeah. And that's not to say that it has to massively deviate from that, but it doesn't have to be that so obviously, does it? No. And I don't know. It's a difficult thing to do. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but it just comes across as that, right, well, you're just making it like your own life. Yeah. And and again, I cynical bit in my head thinking this is aimed at people who know the industry. Yeah. This is aimed at getting Academy Awards. And it's aimed at getting good reviews from people who know the industry very well and who live around the industry. Um, for a normal person like me, not so much. And I found that their characters were both obscenely irritating. And and it starts boldly enough. I, I really like the start of this movie where they have their... It starts very schmaltzy and they're talking about how much they love each other and what they love mm. about one another. The, the voiceovers I thought were really strong. Actually. Yeah, and, and then that sharp cut to them at marriage counselling ahead of the divorce um, where they're going to get divorced but they want to just have that moment where they they start off on a good note and their counsellor said to start off on a good note and, and Scarlett Johansson refuses. Um, that was really strong and I thought, okay, this is interesting. I want to see where this goes. And then almost yeah. instantly... Both of the characters get shepherded into being passive actors in their own story about their story. And I That's get, exactly right. And I get that the point of this film is lawyers are bad. I mean, there's no getting around the fact that... <laughs> All lawyers are bad. That the, the lawyers in this film are portrayed as, at times, predatory, um, at times cynical, um, at times, you know, honest about it in the if you're in a court, you have to try and push as hard as you can against the other side because they're going to do exactly the same to you. But at the same time, there's a 
there's a nastiness of this that doesn't really portray any of the people who work in law that i know and you know maybe there are plenty of lawyers out there who are in it for the money and who are cynical and are gonna are gonna play dirty in court but for from the people that i know it's more about understanding the law and ensuring that the law is upheld and that the right decision is made and that people are um represented to the best of their ability yeah absolutely whereas with this it just goes in and it's like here's what they're gonna try and get here's what you're gonna try and get it's a it's a battle which it is obviously um and then (sighs) i think you're right about it seeming like a cynical ploy for the oscars and i hadn't necessarily immediately thought of that but you're right the way that it sort of weaves the acting and theater stuff into it just a bit too much that where you're like well, I don't care that she was doing this audition or that was her career or whatever, like, who cares? Does that serve the drama of the film, which is in the custody battle? Well, actually, most of it isn't really relevant. And it's always like, oh, it's tied to the fact that they're from, he thinks they're from New York and they're a New York family and whatever. Uh, But, you know, that stuff could have been, if it was about New York and LA, you still could have done that differently, I think. Yeah. Because that's not what the drama's about. That's not where the, the conflict of the film comes from and the whole thing of new york versus la like fuck off that, oh yeah, we're that's so also different an academy thing. we're, that's a, like, we're yeah. a big spacious city and you're a cramped city and theater the space. yeah because there's loads of space versus, on sunset boulevard <laughs> theater versus movies and television fuck off this movie would have been so much more interesting if it had been new york versus bumfuck nowhere iowa <laughs> yeah um, the town where slipknot come from and, exactly um and then you could have that battle of she's gone home to be in iowa with her family he yeah. wants to maintain the child in new york and then you could have the fight of look if he's in new york he's got all these opportunities and all this culture versus bumfuck iowa which has nothing there but then you've got the strong family honey boo boo you've got the strong family life that would have been much more interesting than oh, I like LA, it's got space and I like my friends versus, oh, I like New York, but I don't have all my toys. The film you're describing there is like is almost like a nuanced version of one of those um, like Hallmark Channel films that come on in the season of autumn where a, a sexy city lady leaves her career to go home to the, um, to the farming community where she's from and to fall in love with a sexy cowboy and have lots of japes along the way yeah it, it would have been the the if that story ended the other way where she decided to go back to the city and be with the asshole this movie should have been what happens five years after she made that terrible mistake to go back to the city or 10 yeah. years later where she made that terrible mistake and they've got this kid and she wants to go back to that home culture and away from the culture that she realizes isn't her that's a, but, that's a really good point actually no one's yet made that film as a follow-on from that have they no but 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 instead you've got uh, because the sexy cowboy always wins you can't say no to the sexy the cowboy. sexy cowboy is the ultimate winner in every situation yeah batman v superman the sexy cowboy wins <laughs> he just turns up at the end with his sexy lasso shaking his hips and goes cool down superman yeah. batman gonna shine a light on you <laughs> does a little boogie everyone's down Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, the sexy cowboy, he wins. <laughs> he's, a, he's basically a sexy cowboy. Some people call him the space cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, 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 and, and the reason why it's all about actors, cynical. It, it's to do with where this movie comes from. You know, yeah. it, it's based on someone's real world experiences. Okay, I understand that. But it's also but it down just to the comes fact, across as self-indulgent yes and and this movie is incredibly self-indulgent and by by making the decisions they made with the characters they're both intensely dislikable for different ways and and part of that comes down to their passivity so so scarlett johansson initially is like oh i don't want to see a lawyer oh this person i've just met who i work with says i should go see this lawyer oh i better go do that oh this lawyer says i should be really mean okay i better do it Adam I Driver. better go do that so that Laura Dern can steal the show in this film. <laughs> and she is great. Um, and, and, and then Adam Driver basically says, um, oh, I don't want to do a lawyer. Oh, I better go see a lawyer. Oh, okay. I better go see the really nasty lawyer now. Now we're yeah. going to have an awkward shouting match where I limply punch the wall. Um, and, and I know that a lot of people have gone on about that argument as being really sort of a takeaway piece of this film. It was 
probably the worst part of the movie for me um where they're where they're having that slinging match and he says i wish you were dead and she says i am dead i'm a zombie that that that's what i wanted (laughs) yeah um you wanted this to become a zombie film yeah immediate zombie moment um but no that 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 moment oh it was so on the nose where they're saying i hate you because of this i hate you because of this you're turning into your father you're turning into your mother yeah and if you're gonna say stuff like that you have to then give the audience more about that you you can't just throw that in as a thing that people do and those kind of things because that then becomes part of the plot that isn't dealt with yeah and I, i can understand the the you're turning into your father because you have that frame of reference that's never truly uncovered but you don't really need it that he had an abusive um relationship growing up especially when his father was han solo (laughs) he was off smuggling all the time wasn't he yeah Um, but but you you get that frame of reference instantly like oh okay yeah um he had an abusive relationship he's being accused of turning into his father obviously that's not a very nice thing to say particularly when you've not really seen anything up to that moment which really shows that he is like that at all um versus you're turning into your mother i don't know about you but i really liked the mother character in this film yeah she was she brought a bit of life and energy to it didn't she um yeah so i don't know that that scene really didn't work for me and i it's funny it's almost that their performances worked best when they were separate from one another um and that's not to say that they couldn't work well together but because of the way that the film was framed and the way that it was written I found that when they were together in scenes, it felt awkward, um, but not in the way that the direction intended. No, they wanted it to feel awkward because it was the central conflict was about their relationship and their child and how it all was approached. But it, yeah, it just felt awkward because it felt like they were at cross purposes the whole time, but not in the right way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I i i didn't like this movie very much in case you can't tell no it was it was too long and it was quite tedious wasn't it it's incredibly long yeah like you could have done it in 90 minutes and they should have done it in 90 minutes and and it's not as though i i liked the bits that felt long and quite inconsequential apart from the singing at the end i didn't care for that but i like those moments where they took a very long that was like you wanted to just make a musical just make a fucking (laughs) musical if you want to make a musical man like there are a lot of people out there who I'm sure would be willing to work with you. But but I, I liked those moments where they took a long time. So when um they were they were sort of training out the whole um uh so are you a good mother? That scene where she's talking through how much do you drink? Have you ever done drugs? Yeah. Why are you a good mum? I thought that was a really powerful scene. I thought that was really well shot. And I think actually most of the shots were really good. The the um the cinematography and the direction was all that side of it actually it technically i think worked very very well yeah yeah um, and it looked it looked great and it all of the right scenes focused on the right things and all that stuff and i think that was a big contributor to what i thought was good about it was that it did portray intimacy and i think that is his thing and that was the thing that he was trying to get across is that it did portray the intimacy between two people on film which is a difficult thing to do it just did it in too cynical a way for it to work if that makes sense yeah i know i know what you mean and i don't think that the script itself helped with the direction um no and i don't script know. is a big problem yes yeah and i don't know i i feel like there's a few missteps in here where they portray these flawed characters in ways that you don't when you portray a flawed character that you're supposed to empathize with what you really need to get across more than anything else is the humanity behind it and i think this movie failed to do that where because as you say to to people like us people like that who are successful and have loads of money it's hard for them to come across as human yeah and and it's not as though these are two people with an outrageous amount of money but they have more than we'll see in our bank accounts in our they're not elon musk types no um but but what this film does is you immediately see scarlett johansson as aggressive in terms of i don't want to do this and then well i'm going to get this lawyer that's clearly a bit sharkish um then it gets dropped and and so immediately the movie puts you on the side of um adam driver and you think 
mm, this is a bit cynical. I'm not sure whether I like how much we're trying to empathise with one character. What are they going to do to try and bring this back down? And instantly it's, oh, he cheated on her. So at that point you're like, well, fuck you, Scarlett Johansson. But also yeah. fuck you, Adam Driver. <laughs> that was there, but they didn't actually even really explore that aspect of it as well. It was just used in a very cynical way in a couple of scenes to sort of twist the plot in a certain direction, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't actually explored. It wasn't explored about how that affected the intimacy between them or how he led what led him to that and that kind of thing it was just kind of there and then it was forgotten and then it was done yeah and and relationships break down for a variety of reasons and they they kind of explore it when they're talking to one another about how she hated him and there was no intimacy and he felt as though she didn't want to be with him so eventually he cheated on her um but it's very on the nose again where he basically just says what i just said word for word and and you just feel like i mean it would be so much better if if they'd shown it in different ways that was exactly it the opening monologues were very very strong um but then it completely pivoted away from them in a way that made it almost too much a focus on the divorce and on the negative when that that intimacy and that love between them was there it was just only used as a kind of cynical bookend at the start and the end of the film when he finds the letter and the kid's reading it and he cries because the eight-year-old kid has suddenly worked out how to read. That kid's clearly a dunce. <laughs> um, and also, why would she have kept that? Yeah. And where would she have kept it that the kid would have found it? Yeah. yeah um... Bollocks. The kid was kind of annoying as well, and I hate to say that about a child, but <laughs> but but he, I he I hate this child, says Paddy. <laughs> yeah, that'll be on the front page of the National Enquirer. The, I mean, the kid was annoying, but I I feel as though it was a, a an honest and genuine attempt at kids being annoying because kids are sometimes little shits. Yeah, and, but it wasn't even that. It was more that they didn't properly explore his character either. Even though even an eight-year-old, the character of an eight-year-old child can have a lot of agency in these kind of films, but he had zero agency. It was all about what he was doing between the kids and the custody battle, the, between them and the custody battle, and that's what the film was about. But everything he said and everything he did just seemed to be like, oh look, here he is. Oh no, the whole point of this scene is that he's going to not hug his dad and then he's going to run off. Okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, but but then he takes after his parents because they don't have any agency either. Yeah, exactly. Um. And 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 that's what's frustrating. You know how much I hate passivity in a yeah. in a movie. Ah, annoys me. So and that's much. the thing for two people who spent the whole film talking about themselves. They were remarkably passive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and the so, only person who wasn't passive in this film was Rich Fulcher as a judge, which I loved. <laughs> I mean, that was great. That was incredible. I just um, wanted to did to like bang the gavel and then jump up and start doing dancing to I don't like cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I don't like cricket. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Um, and this movie, have you ever seen Kramer versus Kramer? No, that's a famous divorce film. It right? is a famous divorce film also, about the man from Seinfeld. It's, it, <laughs> that that also I, that won Oscars, didn't it? Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Um, this is just that basically, but that um, but for the Oscars and for now yeah and uh, oh dustin hoffman and meryl streep this looks good we should watch this yeah yeah um but but instead we get this movie and the characters with agency in it it's really just laura dern yeah i guess is the is the only person who's driving this movie um, because even Ray Liotta is more reactive to the situation that has occurred. And yes, there's more agency there than there is with with Adam Driver. And, and he's fun to watch. Ray and Liotta. he is fun to watch. Ray Liotta is always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, it, it it almost feels as though Laura... And, and, it, and it's understandable to see why Laura Dern has kind of captured the show here. Because her character is great, even though it's a bit of a... I don't know... It's a it's a dodgy representation of a lawyer, but apparently it's based on um, uh, uh, the the attorney who represented both Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson during their divorces. Um, right. Okay. So it's apparently based on a real person. Okay. Um, well, that's something. But, but she'd have killed it anyway because yeah, right. and 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 so you have this real sort of like salesperson-y, charismatic. Um, clever nasty lawyer 
and she's captivating in this film the the way that she acts it is is wonderful um and you really get that charisma of this of the of this person who is clearly knows exactly what they're doing um and and hasn't quite got used to the notion that sometimes they don't want to fight for everything yeah which again just comes across as cynical yeah yeah uh, this is a it's a it's quite a mean movie i think it is and it's like a lot of his work actually it's there are bits in it where you get the feel that you feeling that he is capable of showing great love and great intimacy and all of these things, but it ends up being bleak, which was my exact feeling about the squid and the whale as well. Have you seen that? I've not seen it. No, we could talk about that sometime. It's got your favorite Laura Linney in it. Oh, okay. That's cool. And, um, Jeff Daniels. It's so, uh, it's, it's exactly the same. Actually, the performances are really good, but overall it just ends up bleak, seeming cynical and bleak and self-indulgent. And is also about really privileged people complaining about their privilege. And, and yeah, I am kind of sick of movies about rich people being sad. Yeah. Unless it's Elon Musk. That's a film <laughs> I want. The Musk Diaries. Yeah. That's like the Princess Diaries. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't like this film, Paddy. <clears throat> No, it should not win the Oscars. And and it's different from what I expected. I expected to be to not enjoy it. But what I thought was that it would just be a rehash of things that I've seen before. And and there's an element of that. That this movie didn't really go anywhere where you weren't expecting it to go from from after that initial 15 minutes or so. Uh, when when you realize the lack of agency you thought okay this is going to go here and here and it's all going to get progressively worse and worse and then it's going to have that bittersweet ending and that's it um but it it was infuriating in ways that i wasn't anticipating when i've started watching it based on what i've read about it yeah i i felt the same i i thought it was going to be quite good having known some of his previous work but not all of it i thought okay this is going to be a mature effort for him it's up for all these Oscars. It's a lot of people I like. I guess maybe my expectations are high. Yeah, whereas I I care little for films like this. Um, and, and I still to say I don't like any movies that are very purely character driven, relationship driven. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was um, going to say well, how many episodes in? But but like I said, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I really love Blue Valentine, and I think yeah. Blue Valentine is the benchmark of if you're going to do a story like this you've got to try to beat blue valentine and you've got to try and do something different from blue valentine and this movie didn't do enough of that for me yeah and that's not even a divorce movie but it sets the standard for divorce movies (laughs) it does it sets the standard for divorce movies without there being one in the film but in terms of that that portrayal of a disintegrated relationship if you want your audience to feel that impact you need to you need to make the characters more relatable and and this movie doesn't do that and it's really disappointing because everyone in it's giving their all there's no half-arsedness here even i think in the direction and in the writing there's clearly a lot of energy and effort that's gone into it but it's energy and effort that's gone into it to make this film yeah and it's tough because often in films where it's it involves children or there's that kind of thing you can make it relatable by having some kind of joyful play between a child and a parent without it seeming cynical but even the bits where like he takes him to Halloween, just feels like he's just trying to get his time with the kid and the kid's not really interested and he's wearing his costume and he just wants to like um, play his video games or whatever. But Adam Driver makes him do whatever thing and they don't feel like him and the kid are clicking and it just feels very sad. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to bring you joy, but it doesn't. But I think that's what it's supposed, it's supposed to be funny, but in that kind of like, oh, isn't this well observed kind of way? But it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel joyful to me. But I don't think it was meant to feel joyful at all. I think those scenes were supposed to show he is what the natural relationship that both parents had with the child has been disrupted by the requirement to to tick these boxes to try and win in court so so normally adam driver would have been like oh that's fine you can stay here that's okay but because he need to be shown to be making a tremendous amount of effort to have any hope of of of, of keeping custody he then had to do things like this to to push the amount of effort that he was putting in with his kid um, so I think those kind of elements did actually work for me, but it 
all it did was push forward the story that the director was trying to tell, which isn't necessarily one that I felt worked. You're right. I think I'm overly critical of anything on screen involving children since I became a parent. Mate, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Stop, give, stop, give it up. stop being dad critic. Dad, I am dad critic. This is my job now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think... I think they were, they were supposed to portray poor parenting in this as opposed to thinking that the parenting they were showing is positive. Um, oh, and, yeah. And it, yeah. And but it, that's the thing. It just ends up... It's all negative and it just ends up seeming bleak, doesn't it? Yeah, and that and that's what they were going for. But the problem there is bleakness without any sign of of connection between the audience and the people <laughs> they're watching leads to an infuriating uh frustrating viewing experience yeah i i agree like reading t.s Eliot's poems <laughs> especially his book of practical cats yeah exactly that's very bleak book of practical divorce knowledge yeah yeah mr mistopheles's divorce from victoria is in there um so yeah this um what what did you like about this film then i'm just laughing because my wife texted me saying i hate tears elliot too (laughs) (laughs) what did i like about it adam driver's performance was good i liked when he he was all shouty and it kind of got to that moment where they all they just kind of exploded that was that was all right i guess it was good when he was crying and he was all red. I was like, "Yes, Adam Driver, you were doing good acting." I um, I hated that moment. Yeah, yeah, I really hated that whole scene. I had no time for it. Um, and yeah, I just felt like, "Oh, look, here's the bit where they're going to get all angry at one another." And I felt it had like, to happen, though, didn't it? Well, did it really? No, no lawyer in their right mind would say go and spend time just the two of you and shout about everything no like that <laughs> they but <laughs> not I, even ray liotta I want, he likes a good shout i want the scene afterwards where they both go to see their prospective lawyers and said oh yeah we went round and i said how much i hated him and how i uh, how i had i never loved him and i regretted ever being with him um and i regretted being married to him and then laura Dern saying what you idiot now he's going to be able to say that in court and say that you regretted everything, including having the kid, you moron. And then I want the scene where Adam Driver says, yeah, we had a big shouting match. And I said, I wish she died in a car crash. And Ray Liotta going, you fucking moron. Why would you say that? eyebrows just getting higher and higher. <laughs> yeah. And higher. yeah, I wanted that scene where they both go back and they both say, you're, you're fucking terrible at law. Um, yeah, you suck, Ray Liotta. <laughs> um, but, you're not a good fella. <laughs> bad fella. Yeah. Um, okay. I liked the, in the um, opening like monologue bit when she was talking. There's a bit where he like opens a trumpet that she's got him as a gift, and he like plays it, and he's bad at it, and it's all funny. And then like a few years later, when it's like the present day, that trumpet is sitting on the shelf in their apartment, clearly un- untouched and unloved. I like that. You know what I was thinking when he opened that trumpet? What? Oh God, they're poor neighbors. <laughs> they're in an apartment block, and he's yeah. playing a trumpet. Or maybe that's why he didn't end up properly learning it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. In which case, it was a terrible gift, saying yeah. all that stuff about good gifts. Nah, she's bad at gift giving. <laughs> um, I liked when um, Scarlett Johansson's mum was like, can you unserve someone? That was funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. And the whole thing with the sister like being unable to serve him his papers. Yeah, but I I liked the family dynamic there. Yeah, um, they could have spent more time exploring that, I guess, instead of having them sing for twenty minutes at the end, <laughs> and then um, inevitably just like do the really obvious conclusion in like two minutes. Yep, it's over. Oh yeah, she's gonna let him take him because it's his night now. It's all fine now. That was like really quick, whereas the the lead up to it was really self indulgent and focused on the wrong things. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I can. I, I think I agree with you on that. It felt like that was just tying it up. Yeah, so it could have a neat, a neat, nice, happy ending. Yeah, because you've got like the, the academy, the whole one year later thing. You're like, Ugh. yeah, it's know. like that bit in Harry Potter at the end of the last book when they're sending their. It's like seventeen years later, and they're sending their kids off to school. Here's the names of all of our kids. 
Yeah. We just so happened <laughs> to be around at the same time. <laughs> of um, course. I hated that. Yeah. It was even worse than the film when they put Ron in a fat suit. <laughs> the, 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 the de-aging. Uh, the, sorry, yeah. the, the, the aging stuff on Yeah, there. the opposite thing. That set the precedent for the Irishman. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't like the last Harry Potter book very much. I think I think we've talked about this before, but I laughed have, yeah. at the bit where the owl dies and they spend about two pages on how Harry's sad that his owl died. And then later on in the book, there's two characters as he's got to like human characters that he's got to know and love over a series of years who are dead and he just walks past and is like oh they're dead yeah he literally steps over them that's because wizards are the worst yeah wizards are awful (laughs) you heard it here first (laughs) um so yeah this i uh, boo 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 Boo, Noah Palmback. Boo. Boo, you very well-made, brilliantly acted movie. <laughs> Nice-looking film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it goes to show, doesn't it, that you can be incredibly talented, but sometimes you can't reach the audience that you want because the message that you're portraying isn't the message that necessarily resonates. Yeah, because it's self-indulgent and cynical. And I'd say that the the gulf between how well-directed it is, how good it looks and how good the performances are and how badly it actually lands is massive compared to a lot of films. I can't think of many other films where the gulf between those two things is that big. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I don't think... I'm trying to think of other movies that have failed to land as much as this for me. and And it is generally sort of Oscar movies yeah um not oscar isaac movies (laughs) no no um but uh but yeah it's and what's fascinating is how well this has gone down with critics and if you look at um if if you look at the the sort of critic rating it's incredibly high um yeah but for me at least this isn't this isn't um a particularly successful film no, me neither. Um, does does this make us the 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 snobby movie equivalent <laughs> of the fans who hated the Last Jedi? Yeah, this is this is our the Last Jedi. Should we start a Kickstarter campaign to remake Marriage Story <laughs> as it should have been made? <laughs> Hashtag annul Marriage Story. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. Annulment Story. This is the <laughs> film that we're going to make, and we're going to go on red on Reddit and be like. Hey guys, does anyone know how much I could get away with intellectual property wise if I took all of the stuff that's literally the intellectual property of Marriage Story and then just like made a film? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's gonna that's gonna work. That'd be an extremely normal thing to do, a natural reaction. Yeah, definitely what normal people do. Yeah, I just want to have a look on Metacritic and see if this movie got any negative reviews from affiliated critics. It must have done, surely. Let's see. Come on, Metacritic, load for me. Based on 53 reviews, give us... It's only got positive reviews from critics that are affiliated with Metacritic. Entirely positive. User score is also incredibly high, although there are negative and mixed reviews on that one. Is this what critics like? Is this what critics like? Well, want? yeah. It's, um, it's a movie about people in the industry, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose the critics are sort of part of that, aren't they? Um, yeah, but, you... including us because we're obviously very big and important. <laughs> I mean, we're super intelligent. We're, critics. we're super important. Yeah. Um, on <laughs> on meta, we've got all sorts of affiliations. Yeah, meta big boys. Yeah, it's just ours. <laughs> <laughs> just our ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reviews from two critics. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I think we are definitely the outliers here because even amongst audience who've seen it, apparently it goes down very well, but this, oh, it didn't. that's interesting. I find it hard to believe that it would really genuinely have broad appeal. I think people buy the Oscar Kool-Aid and people think that it's clever. Yeah, I suppose. Which I know does sound kind of snobby of me, but people, I suppose, people but some, that some other movies have had that backlash they? though. Um, where where the like um, the favorite is a prime example um, where audiences some audience members absolutely hated it 
yeah. the people who went into it expecting it to be a straightforward sort of historical biopic. I spoke to my grandparents um, about that over Christmas, by the way. They really hated it. <laughs> well, exactly. I was, like, I was surprised yeah. that they went to see it. It's got the C word in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't know that from just watching the trailers, do you? No, I think um, they thought it was a regular old historical drama rather than a, a bonkers <laughs> film with, where you know 10 minutes is taken up by a slow motion duck race <laughs> exactly um which i think is genius which which i also think is genius and, and maybe that's the divide isn't it that is the audiences can can palette this because it's i don't suppose it's safe in its approach because it does take risks but it takes risks with direction that audiences find it easier to to put into their framework of what a movie is yeah yeah it's it's nice to look at it all it all fits together yeah, yeah like the, the, i wouldn't say anything is in it is massively out of the ordinary no there's there's nothing dangerous about marriage story i suppose it, no. it's it's competent and it it knows how far to push things before it becomes jarring for the general public um but from a thematic perspective i think the thematic issues with it cause underlying problems with the overall plot and and dialogue that undermine the overall success of the film i agree 100 percent. good I, I was a bit concerned that i'm watching this you'd no i you'd think like maybe it. i liked it a little bit more than you but not much i can't really i find it hard to disagree with anything you said about it so oh there that's we go quite telling i guess yeah yeah um which is a shame because i do really love the performances um like scarlett johansson's very very good as well um, I know we we talked about we talked about Adam Driver a lot about how great he is and Laura Dern, but she's also very good and she does a good job of um, what what I found interesting about her performance was the way that she would say things, but then you could understand by her actions and just the subtle movements of her character that actually she didn't necessarily paint as as naive a picture as she says. And 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 there's moments where it does shine through where, you know, at the end where, where Laura Dern says, oh, yeah, I got us 55-45 and she realises that's not what I wanted at all. Yeah, yeah, um, that was that was an interesting moment, actually. But it came, you know, an hour too late. Yeah. Um, but, but there were those other earlier moments where she, you do see that slight cynicism about, OK, I need to play this cleverly in order to to get the best possible outcome for me. And and I like that they she did that and it was done in quite a intelligent way so so her performance was very good too i don't want to say that she wasn't good yeah and yeah it doesn't take away from it that the film overall wasn't effective their performances are still good yeah yeah for sure it's not like something like cats where the performances are bizarre and strange because the whole film is (laughs) i did i did find it weird when adam driver unzipped his skin suit and would was, you rather watch this again or watch cats again i'd rather watch cats again yeah me too i i really hated cats a lot but i'd rather watch cats again than this because i think seeing cats in the comfort there's of more my to get hold home, of isn't there yeah seeing cats in the comfort of my own home i think where you can sit where you can sort of go and do something else where you're waiting for the next <laughs> totally batshit insane thing to happen um, yeah when the the marching things start coming with rebel wilson you're like right i'm gonna make a cup of tea now <laughs> whereas i'm like right i'm gonna watch this bit <laughs> and then right i'll go i'll go do a shit when the tap dancing cat comes in <laughs> yeah that was really annoying <laughs> railway cats coming up time for a long wee <laughs> railway cat i can play a few rounds of pokemon now yeah um so um right have, have you got anything else to say about, about no no I, th- I think we're done yeah um trivia wise this is a film about a divorce it's a film. This is trivia. <laughs> you don't get any more than that. And no, I think we've we've I've shared a few bits of trivia here and there. So it's about someone's own experiences. The the lawyers based on a real lawyer. Yeah. Um, the songs are from that musical. What's about relationships? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, apparently everything was scripted. There's no improvised moments anywhere. um so yeah yeah that'll do so so how are we going to um how are we going to rate this Mm, let's see how many consultations do you have with your cheap lawyer who has a seemingly dead cat that your child is playing with 
before you decide that you need Rayleigh Otter instead? Uh, so for me, it's going to be seven. I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair. That's, that's what I was thinking as well. Seven um, out of 20. Yeah, it's a, it's a, this is a very competently made film, as we've said. Because the things that are good about it are really good, but it just doesn't work overall and is just tedious. Yeah. And yeah, seven for the tens of minutes that should have been shaved off the runtime. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed. Uh, I wasn't going into it expecting it to be groundbreaking, but I was disappointed in the overall thematic message of it. So I'd say actually there's, there's stuff on Netflix that's way more worth your time than this. Yeah, I could. don't know if I would recommend it. Probably you'll end up watching it out of Oscar's related curiosity, but yeah. You could watch so many episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Sure. You could watch that Adam Sandler stand-up thing that came out last year that was surprisingly funny. Um, Was that good? Oh, yeah, I think you said yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, it was very funny. You know, silly in the best possible way. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <clears throat> right. So you texted me earlier to say you are going to the cinema. I am are you going, going to the cinema. To the cinema? Um, so I am going to the cinema. Um, you are on going this weekend. Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So next weekend we can talk about Jojo Rabbit if you want. We can. I think I that think would be we should. good. Yeah. Let's keep this also, Oscar train rolling. Oscar noms. Yeah. Um, and then after that, let's go and watch Ford versus Ferrari and talk about the love between a man and two cars. A man and his cars. Which one will he choose? <laughs> Which one will he choose? <laughs> yeah, the the Ford got nominated for Best Supporting Actor and the Ferrari didn't. <laughs> yeah. And that tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, exactly. Cool. Great. Let's do Jojo Rabbit next week then. Definitely. Excited to talk about that. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Sweet. Cool. Okay, well, I don't think I have anything to add other than um, make sure that you support our campaign to get Randy Newman best original song for his song theme from Marriage Story. <laughs> yes, please do. The the best and most authoritative clip of which is on our Twitter, which is at Big Boys Don't Pod. Yeah, we, we need him to get that Oscar. Yeah. It's a truly groundbreaking piece of music. It is. Never mind John Williams. Yeah. Go away, John. You've won it before. It's Randy's turn. <laughs> it's Randy's turn. And this is his best work. It really elevates the film, actually. It really does. It really does. Yeah, I'd have given it a 5 out of 20 instead of a 7 if it wasn't for this song. Yeah, this specific song. Which plays over the credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, maybe I'll just put it on the end of the the um, podcast so you can all listen to it, just to remind yourself. Put it at the beginning as well. Yeah, start yeah, it, I think I'll do that as well, just yeah. so you remember. But yeah, very important campaign. We really need your support. Randy needs you, okay? Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> <laughs> in that case great you can tweet us at bigboysdon'tpod you can email us bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com um, always love to hear from you and please leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast it really does help and makes us feel nice so it makes us feel warm inside yes definitely do which we need if we're going to watch any more bleak films like <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah alright bye bye marriage is falling apart Our marriage is falling apart I hate you and you hate me so let's go and get a divorce